I was a basketball player. Like I was like, that's the only population I want to work with. The only one. Like I want to work strictly with basketball. Um, and my mentor said, find something else. The first team you work with, find a different team. Find a different sport, something outside of your comfort zone to really help you test your skills as a mental performance consultant, as a clinician, um, and and really have to think, right? Like you have to learn something totally different, something totally new, um, and figure out how can I apply mental skills to these athletes? How can I help these athletes, um, you know, you know, if they are down in a game and they really, you know, and they need the skills or the coping strategies to help them push through that. So um, I would say, yes, went in right away, basketball, 100%. Um, and then I started working with baseball players. I started, I worked with a collegiate bowler. I started working with um, soccer teams and um, football. Like I just really started to get outside of my comfort zone. What is up, fam? Welcome back to the channel. My name is Phil Sarpon. This is Phil's Guide to Side D. This channel is dedicated to all things psychology, wellness, and graduate school. Today, we have a very special guest with us. His name is Dr. Quincy Davis. He will be talking about all of the different ways to become a sports psychologist. Now, before we jump into that interview, I do want to share a plug. You guys can follow me on Instagram at Phil's Guide to Side D. If you guys are looking for ways to support the channel, one of the best ways to support the channel is by becoming a member through YouTube. That way you can get some early access to different videos that we haven't released yet. You also get a little bit more one-on-one -on -one attention with me in terms of any questions that you guys may have about graduate school that you want me to answer directly to you. Uh, that is a great way to becoming a member and actually getting some more access to me in terms of some of the things that might actually help you for graduate school. Now, before we also jump into the interview, I do want to also share that this video is sponsored by an app called called 8 Inside 8D Relaxation and Sleep. Now, I have been using this app for several weeks, and I have to say that it is an incredible app. This app provides a combination of relaxing music, ASMR, some meditation vibe sounds, and something called 8D Sound, which is when you put your headphones on and you know that, that feeling that you get where you feel like the sound is surrounding you, that is what 8D sound is and that is what this app provides. It is helpful for calming nerves. It's actually helped me a lot, as I mentioned, for falling asleep a lot faster and it helps me get into a, a quicker meditative state a lot faster as well. I will put down a link below and you guys can actually check out that app. If you put in Phil's guide as the promo code, you get 20% off. I'm really looking forward to seeing what you guys might say about this app. Now, without further ado, we will go ahead and jump right into the interview. All right, Dr. Davis, I really appreciate you being here today. Thank you so much. Thanks, Phil. I appreciate you uh, sharing this space with me, man. I'm, I'm excited for our, our conversation today. Awesome. Well, yeah, I would love to start out. Maybe you can just tell the audience a little bit about, you know, what actually got you into sports psychology. Like, what was the moment for you that you realized, like, okay, this is actually what I want to do for a profession? Yeah, I think it, it kind of goes back for me. Um, I was a collegiate athlete. I played basketball in college. Um, and so my senior year, um, I really struggled a lot. Um, just from the mental aspect of the game. And it was, it was really in-game performances for me. Like practice, I was fine. Like I felt confident. Everything was free-flowing for me. I get into the game and I make a mistake or I take a bad shot. And it was just like downhill from there. 
Um, and so at the time, I didn't really know much about sports psychology. And then it just so happened to be that next semester, I took a class in sports psychology. And I was like, oh, my gosh, if we had a sports psychologist or any type of mental performance consultant on campus, that would that, that would make a world's difference for me. Uh, and so I started looking into it a little bit further. Um, actually didn't end up going into sports psychology right away. Um, I just went and got a, a degree in counseling, uh, an emphasis in school counseling, actually. Um, and then waited a couple of years. I've been working in a high school and then um, went on to get my degree in sports psychology after I called around a lot, talked to a lot of uh, professionals in the field just to kind of see what it was like and something I would be um, really passionate about for sure. Um, but just being able to be committed to the field and, and provide a service that I feel is a high need for athletes. Um, and so that is, I, I have been, as soon as I learned more about it, I was all in. Like, you couldn't even, you couldn't tell me any different at the time. Uh, because it was just like, man, like, I, I want to be able, yes, I'm, I'm passionate about counseling. I'm passionate about mental health. Um, but being able to provide these services at, to the athletic population is huge and can make a, a world's difference, like I said. So that's kind of what got my journey and my and piqued my interest um, in going into this field. That's incredible. I, I love that. And I think it's cool that you yourself were an athlete. And so you saw you saw that need uh, for athletes and you wanted to kind of fill that need uh, for yourself in that profession. I, I guess currently for you right now, like what what does your day to day look like? Yeah, so it's, it's a little different <laughs> because that's that's yes, I have a background in a degree in sports psychology. Right. I, I currently work as a counselor still. So I'm still in the high school. Um, and actually when I was doing like my internships and stuff like that, um, that was when I was really like involved in, you know, my work with athletes. Um, and so I just, I had just recently graduated with my doctorate in the last fall, um, September of 2022. Um, and then, um, knew I wanted to get into the, the sports psych field, like was trying to really figure out my way and what I wanted to do. And so I'm not technically working as a sports psych right now or a mental performance consultant at all. Um, we can kind of go a little bit deeper into what the difference is between the two of those, um, because that term is just, you know what a sports psych is, just basically based off what everybody else is talking about. But there's so many different ways in which we should use that term. Um, and so I don't currently work as a mental performance consultant right now. Um, still working as a high school counselor and actually starting um, to generate my my practice. Um, I'm starting to get that going, trying to get that off the ground right now. And so um and working with athletes here and there it's nothing that's you know too deep but um i can tell you a lot about when i was working with teams and kind of what that looked like um I've, I've worked with basketball uh collegiate basketball teams collegiate football teams a lot of individual athletes um and it can get very busy um i'll tell you particularly about the my the football team i was working with we um i did their their spring camp um last the year before so not 2020 yeah 2022 spring camp um, and then did their, uh, when they came, everybody came back on campus in the fall. Um, and that was just hectic, man. Like they, they did intensive days and I was out there with them. I mean, some, they started much earlier than I got out there first of all. So they were up for breakfast at 6am. I think they were, you know, doing film study and playbook study at 7am and then on the field at 8am. And I would be out there at 8am with them on the field. Um, and they would go from about eight to 11 go get lunch, and then right back at it again, film session, team sessions, um, small group, large group, and then uh, they would have something else in the evening, and they'd probably be done around 7 or 8 p.m. And so they're doing 12 eight-hour days, 
Um, and I'm in at the time, you know, I'm really trying to see how can I, you know, insert myself into the team. Like I know they already have a lot going on. And so where can I apply my, you know, apply my skills and, and then be of service to the team. And so sometimes just hanging out at practice, being on the sidelines, um, having guys come up to me and say, yeah, I'm, I'm just really in a funk right now, or I'm feeling this way, or, you know, just being able to have those sidebar conversations was huge, but then also being able to have those uh, large team sessions after practice, you know, um, the coach comes up to me, at, you know, during practice and says, Hey, we, we, we got to get our mind in the right place. You know, I'm seeing this A, B, C, and D, you know, can you talk to our guys about that after practice today? Yep. Let's have a, let's have a quick conversation about it. He's like, we only got 10 minutes. I, I, I can do that in 10 minutes. And so, um, a lot of the stuff is on the fly. A lot of the time, you have to really be able to be prepared to, um, you know, have something, um, you know, to to speak with the athletes about. You know, um, that the coach comes to you with the topic, and then really get creative with it as well. Um, knowing that you're not going to have a lot of time, and you have to, you know, either break it down, um, and kind of put it in simple terms, or save it for a later a later time that you're meeting with a large group. And so, um. The day to day varies, and I'm sure there's a lot of professionals who will kind of tell you the same thing: is that you just you're you're not going to have the same day every single day as a sports psychologist or or as a mental performance consultant. Um, it's going to be, uh, and it's going to be based off what the coach wants, what the players need, you know, team team overall need. Um, and so yeah, you kind of got to you know just be able to be very flexible. Um, I think it is the huge piece of it, being flexible um, and understanding that day-by-day tasks are going to vary um, every single time. That's so cool. I, I think that's probably one of the things that I've noticed about just kind of looking into the sports psychology realm is that like with individual, like with counseling, it's it's just, you know, usually it's just individual therapy. There might be some group therapy support groups that you might be a part of, but the interesting thing about sports psychology is that you may not be working individually with just with just one-on-one, you know, counseling. You, you're working in those team dynamics. You're working with the coaches. And so I feel like there's multiple different like pieces. Like there could be that one-on-one, but there's also you with the team, or it could be you with the coach or you with multiple coaches. And so like um, any other, like, I guess, major differences between counseling and sports psychology that you've seen yeah i mean you, you got also think about it from a confidentiality perspective right um and being able to play in and balance multiple roles um in multiple relationships and so you know if you are working within a team system and you have a coach who really is you know really hands-on and he comes up to you and is like hey you know like what did you and so and so talk about today um, you gotta gotta walk on fine ice, you know. Like you, you kind of you can't. You don't want to. You don't want to give too much information, but you want to give enough to in order to make sure that they're satisfied with the work that you're doing. Um, you also don't want to break that um, that that trust with the in the rapport that you've already built with the athlete, because um, they're gonna say, "Oh, if you're everything I tell you is going right back to coach, then why would I talk to you?" Um, and then within a team, you find that out really quick. All it takes is one guy to say, oh, yeah, he's 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 pretty he's telling everything that we're saying to him. He's going to talk to the coach. It takes that one person to say that. And you've lost everybody. Um, and you're doing a lot of work to rebuild that trust up. So um, I would say the biggest thing, you know, and of course, you have to worry about confidentiality within, you know, just counseling one on one individually. But there's so many different people involved within the team. Um, and I'm, and you got to think wider, right? You, you get into a large university setting or a professional team and you're looking at, um, you know, not only like the owners of teams, but you're looking at athletic trainers, strength and conditioning coaches, um, physicians, um, 
you know, there's so many different, you know, roles and relationships that you have within a team that you are trying to make sure that you do not, um, you know, breach confidentiality or, um, and still trying to maintain those relationships where everybody um, respects you and your work, um, you know, on a daily basis. So I would say that's probably the biggest difference that you see. Um, and it just takes you really being in tune and, uh, and having that awareness of, okay, where can I, um, how should I tread this water here? And, you know, how much information can I provide? You know, what, and it, it's really, it, it takes some practice and it takes a little bit of time, but eventually everybody, you know, you figure it out. That's incredible. I, I'm wondering too, like for you, I guess, like, uh, you know, three, five years from now, like in your practice, I guess, where do you envision yourself in that fitting it within that role? Um, are you wanting to like work or travel with a team? Are you wanting to work with like have your own private practice and have players come to you or like, how do you envision that for yourself in the future? Yeah. I mean, I, my, my ultimate goal is to work within a university setting. Um, I want to work at a large university um, or just, I guess really any university um, within their athletic department as a mental performance or athletics counselor um, in that role. And at the same time, you can still have your own practice on the side, right? So, you might just working with university athletes, but you may be working with other performers or youth athletes outside of that, um, outside of that realm. So um, still want to maintain somewhat of a private practice, but also be emerged in that university setting. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And then, you know, for you, like, I guess maybe we can we can go back to this, too, but because uh, we were kind of talking a little bit about how to, I guess, become a sports psychologist. And so. Mm-hmm. There are multiple different pathways, it seems like. So for you, you got your bachelor's in psychology, and then you got your master's in, in education counseling, you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you went ahead and got that doctorate in sports sports psychology. You also have a certification, right? And yes. it's the CMPC yep. uh, Certified mm-hmm. Mental Professional Performance Coach? Con- Performance, Performance coach. Consultant. Performance, Performance Consulting. Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. got you. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering, like, Okay, like what are what are the different pathways to become a sports psychologist? Like for you, would you encourage other students to kind of take your path or have you noticed that there are other paths to kind of get to the same the same point? Oh man, that's that's a great question. Um because there's so many different paths to get to um to become a professional within this field. Uh, and I would say that I've somewhat taken a harder route just because, um, I'm not clinically licensed yet. And so that's what I'm currently working on, right? I have a back, I have a, a counseling background, but it's specifically tailored towards school counseling. Um, and so I'm still working on my LPCC within the state, um, but don't have that full licensure yet. Now, thinking back to my master's program, I, I had the opportunity to make, you know, go into clinical mental health counseling. Had I done that, I would be fully licensed. The path would have been a little bit smoother towards the popular, you know, just the jobs that I want to try to attain um, and things like that. And so there's, I, I feel like there's so many different pathways within this field to get to what you want to do. And it's, in, it's an individualized um, type of basis because there's people who solely want to work with athletes on their performance. Um, if you want to work within like a university setting or you want to work within um, a professional team setting, like you want to have some type of clinical mental health background. Um, and so they're looking for individuals who are licensed as either clinical psychologists, counseling psychologists, 
Um, you know, they have LPCs, LPCCs. They're looking for those individuals who also receive some type of education in sports psychology um, and have that certification as a mental performance consultant. And so that is like the plan A. Like if I knew exactly what I was going to do, that would be the easiest route. Um, however, that's not always the case um, because, you know, there's so many different programs out there. Um, like I said, there's somebody who might just want to work solely with um, individuals on performance related issues and nothing clinical. And so they might have a background in, you know, exercise science. Um, there's a lot of kinesiology programs out there who have a sports psych focus, um, but nothing in the clinical realm. And so those individuals are going to be working with a population of athletes on just solely their mental skills, mental performance, everything like that. Um, and so it's it's really there's there's no direct path. And I wish I can give you a, just a straight answer as to what in, in the audience, a straight answer. But you will see. Um, and I encourage everybody who's you know watching or tuning into this. If you are interested in the field of sports psychology, I go to the national conference. It's the um, the ASP conference, Association for Applied Sports Psychology. Um, the national conference is amazing. I went for the first time this year. Um, just due to COVID, everything was virtual before this, but this is my first in-person conference. Outstanding. I mean, I can't. It's, it's hard to put into words because it was just that great. So much information, so many connections made. Like it, it the networking there is is, is outstanding. Um, if you can't go to one, then go to a regional conference. And they have many different regional conferences throughout the year. I would say you're probably going to get the most bang for your butt going, buck going um, to the national conference. Um, but uh, the regional conferences, they also do a really good job of putting those on. And then you'll see that there's people from many different backgrounds, like people who are strength and conditioning coaches who want to go back and, you know, be, get their CNPC just so they can have that aspect um, or try to tie the two. Um, of, the, of those disciplines together or people who are, I don't know, just teachers, right? There's people who are, are just professors um, at universities who are CMPCs. So they're doing all of the supervision and all of the, the teaching of, on the, in the field. And so it's, yeah, it's, it's really hard to put into, uh, like I said, just one pathway. Well, me for myself, I knew I wanted to go into the, the mental health realm wanted to and then add that sports psychology piece to it. And so now I'm just working on licensure. And so if you and many of those who are wanting to work within, like I said, a professional level or work at the collegiate level, having that mental health um, licensure is is top tier. Like if you look at any job posting, that's what they're asking for. Um, are you licensed as an LPC, LPCC, PsyD, um, you know, counseling, like, like anything um, within that mental health um, field. So, yeah, that's that's kind of my two cents on it. Hopefully that uh, explains it enough. That's like I said, it's just it's a broad, broad topic that you can kind of go down the rabbit hole on. I love that, honestly. And, and thank you for sharing all of that. I think that's kind of a little bit of what I've seen, too, is that like I've seen other people maybe go for the master's in some type of kinesiology, biology, physiology and then get a, some type of certification like the CMPC and just work specifically with consulting or the PhD, the PsyD, the counseling PhDs, so many different pathways. And so I guess it, it does really depend on um, the individual and, and what they prefer and what they're wanting yeah. to do. I'm curious for you, like for the CMPC, like what what was that pathway like? And, and maybe also, why did you choose the CMPC and and how has it been getting that certification for you? 
Yeah, so um, I, I guess I can just start with what the CMPC and how, like, what that looks like for people to try to obtain. So um, you definitely have, like, there's a certain amount of hours you have to read, um, just like with any, you know, think back to, like, the, just the counseling field or any any type of licensure you're time, trying to obtain, you have to uh, accrue a certain amount of hours. And so um, there's contact hours with athletes, performers, teams, direct, indirect. Um, and then once you fulfilled all of those guidelines and I can't even rattle them off right now <laughs> because there's a lot, um, you have to take certain classes. You have to take a class in every one of their domains. Um, and so several classes and some of them. Um, and so once you have fulfilled all of those requirements, you can then test for the CNPC. Um, I just recently took it, uh, two weeks ago, um, and passed, Thankfully, oh, um, that's awesome. So, yeah, I do have that certification now, um, CNPC, and it's a it's a huge certification because not many people have it, right? Um, and it just it just represents the highest designation within this field. Um, a lot of people call themselves mental performance coaches and mental performance consultants, um, and that they may very well be. Um, but if you are looking at jobs, like if they, if they're looking for something that's preferred or something that they would, you know, looking for in a candidate, CNPC is right there. Um, and so the CNPC is, is very, I would say if there's somebody who wants to go into this field, go for the CNPC, um, you know, find a mentor, um, find teams and athletes to work with, get those hours. Um, make sure you've taken classes that, you know, that you, you're meeting requirements in all the classes um, so that you can then submit your application and be accepted to um, take the test. Um, so, yeah, the CMPC, it's a, a it's an exam of 115 questions. You have 90 minutes to take it. And so um, you're kind of cruising along, um, you know, within all those questions. And there's many study materials out there. So um, <laughs> I can give a couple of resources, but I don't know them all. So. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it, I would say if it's, if it's, uh, um, a designation that somebody has even been thinking about and they're going into this field, then you should go for it, um, a hundred percent. And, and, and you will be glad that you have obtained this, this, um, um, this certification because you'll see how, how many doors it can, it can open for you just along your journey. And no matter what your end goal is, you'll be able to have this certification and say, well, um, there's not many people who have this, and especially with depending on the state that you live in, because there's some states who have, you know, um, you know, three or four, um, you know, CNPCs and some that have 20, but there might only be one in that area. So, um, yeah, you just never know. I really, I really appreciate that because I think uh, I was I forget who I was talking to, but they were mentioning that with the CNPC, it also just like you said, opens doors uh, for students, but also people get a kind of a gateway into like the Olympic athletes, um, mm -hmm. you know, working with Olympic athletes potentially. And mm -hmm. it, it's, it's not just kind of like a, perhaps the collegiate or maybe even professional, but like even like the big, like Olympic athlete uh, category. So that's, that's really cool to see. And I'm excited to see what that would look like for just more sports psychologists with that certification and, mm -hmm. and some of the, jobs that they're doing and some of the careers that they're working in. Do you, do you think that, you know, five, 10 years from now, because I feel like the last couple of years, I feel like people have been talking more about mental health. I feel like the stigma is kind of decreasing a lot, you know, a lot less in terms of people just talking more about it on social media. There's a lot more athletes that are also talking about it. 
where do you see the profession kind of going in the next five, 10 years in terms of, you know, will there be just more sports psychologists, you know, in other teams, collegiate, collegiate teams, professional teams? How do you see it kind of like growing and evolving over time? Yeah, ideally, um, it's everywhere, right? Ideally, it's something that every university, every school has, um, every sports program has. Like, you know, there's so many athletes that we're never going to be have just we're never going to be able to have just as many sports sites or mental performance consultants that can serve them. So ideally, you're seeing this this grow like this. This field is still in its infancy and it's been around for so long. Right. And so now you're like you said, you're starting to hear these athletes talk about the importance of mental health and the importance of sports psychologists and mental performance consultants and how they can be beneficial to your career, your athletic career. And so, um, you know, you're thinking 10 to 15 years from now, like ideally, that's what you see on college campuses. You don't just see one within the athletic department, but you see three to four within the athletic department and they're being able to serve you know, multiple teams and, you know, and, you know, really spread awareness about mental health and mental skills and mental performance um, so that athletes can, you know, perform at a high level. Right. And so I, I think that you will see a lot of growth within this field, um, especially within 10 to 15 years. There's no doubt about that. That's awesome. What's, what's a piece of advice that you would give students trying to get into this field, whether they're in college, whether they're in grad school, how can they kind of start to prepare themselves in terms of getting into this profession? Yeah. I mean, I would say one, the biggest thing is ask questions. Like don't be afraid to reach out. Um, I did a lot of reaching out when I was searching for my doctoral program um, to people. I had no clue who they were. Um, and it's sometimes you'll just figure out that it's a small world and you'll end up tied back to that person some way, somehow. Um, and so just reach out, like ask questions. Um, you know, you just, you never know. Like, and I, and I knew that once I got to this, this phase in my career that I wanted to be a person who just was able to be, to, to have students reach out to me and answer questions and really be a resource. Um, because sometimes, you know, I know you're, you're sending emails to this many people and say, you send an email to 10 people and you might get two back, right. Or you might get one back. And, and it can feel deflating, um, you know, be, but there people are very busy, one. Um, and then two, like, there's just many people who are probably reaching out doing the same thing. And, and that can really be a, a burnout type of, of thing to get into. So um, I would say, yeah, just asking questions, man. It, it's, it, it can go a long ways. Um, and then also attending those conferences. Like, if you're a student in the field, or if you are in wanting to be in this field, like attend that national conference. I mean, there's, there's just no doubt about it. You're going to see um, and learn about so much. And you'll you'll see that the, just within the field, how how helpful everybody and how willing people are to have a conversation with you. I had so many just impromptu conversations with other professionals while I was at this conference because I wanted to learn more. Um, I had seen them on social media. So I, you know, walked up to them, introduced myself. Um, and we just started having a great conversation, um, you know, about our, our career paths and how to get from A to B and what they were currently working on. And so, um, yeah, just not being afraid to network, not being afraid to put yourself out there. Um, and eventually it all comes around full circle. Like You should be able to reap some benefit from that. And so I, that would be my biggest advice that I would give to anyone. It's it's so interesting also kind of looking at the demographics of, of just clinicians in general, like uh, in terms of whether they're clinical psychologists, sports psychologists, mental health professionals, 
because I think one thing that uh, I've noticed is that the the majority of these clinicians are uh, in the white majority, and there's just not a lot of African American uh, clinicians, whether on the master levels therapist side, whether on the counseling, or whether on the doctoral side. For you, you know, like what does it look like for you to kind of um, start to kind of fill in the gaps of being a person of color, being able to help athletes who are also uh, people of color, um, racial, ethnic minorities. Um, how does that kind of uh, paint the picture for you in terms of the the field that you're working in? Yeah, I think that, I mean, there are many black professionals within this field, no doubt about it. Um, and there's many great ones who have done great work, um, but there's always gonna be a need for more. Right. We're still trying to eliminate that stigma. Um, we're still trying to be a face and a resource for student athletes who look just like us. Um, and so just think about that. Like if you're an athlete and you're struggling with something like you want to go to somebody who not only looks like you, but if they have a shared experience, maybe they were a college athlete. It's going to be much easier to build that relationship and build that rapport with them and, you know, have those conversations. Not to say that it's not easy to do it with somebody who is not a person of color, right? You can still do that. That resource is there for you. But um, there, there's just a feeling of, like, relaxation about it. Like, there's just, like, they may not feel judged or maybe they don't wait as long to do it because they feel comfortable, um, you know, being in a space with um, another person of color. Like, that, I feel like, is something that we need to continue to build upon within this field. Um, and there's always going to be high needs. Uh, and always going to be for sure jobs out there um, for people who are of different ethnic groups or um, different backgrounds. Like uh, they were talking about this at the national conference, but many MLB teams, baseball teams are looking for Spanish speaking mental performance consultants. Look at the demographic between within the MLB, right? Um, and so, and that's what you usually see. Like if you see a job for an MLB team, they're asking for somebody who is um, bilingual or Spanish speaking. And so, um, yeah, there's there's, gonna, there's many advantages to those things, even if you're not like that's an advantage to have. Right. Um, to be bilingual and be able to um, just relate from a cultural standpoint to another individual. So, um, yeah, I definitely would like you would like to see more. And if, like at the national conference, um, they did hold like a, a black student like get together or just black professional get together. And I'm, I, I, I saw there but i get into this room and there's about a hundred of us and i was like oh my god like it was just the best space to be in i'm telling you right now phil it was amazing um just because like you have like the ogs of the ogs who have been in this field forever um and now they're looking around and they were like when we first did this get together there was only two of us and now there's a hundred in this room and so we're hoping to continue to build upon that within this field um and really inspire you know people of color to get to get within this job um again within this profession because it's needed just like in mental any mental health right like the stigma is still there the stigma, the stigma is probably always going to be there until we can fully break it down so uh yeah i would say yeah we definitely need more people of color different ethnic groups um to, to, to be in this field that is so sweet. And, and it's so great to hear that there was that growth of people that you saw in that room where it's like, okay, that's the next generation of sports psychologists that are coming in that are also going to look more like the demographics that they serve. So I, I love, love hearing that. Um, is there something, is there a sport in particular that you're wanting to work with? Uh, or are you kind of looking broadly in terms of your sports psychology realm? Yeah, I, I this is another piece of advice big key um because people everybody goes into sports like 
um, or mental performance, thinking that they are going to work with the field that they competed in, right? They're football player in high school, baseball player. I was a basketball player. Like, I was like, that's the only population I want to work with. The only one. Like, I want to work strictly with basketball. Um, and my mentor said, find something else. The first team you work with, find a different team. Find a different sport, something outside of your comfort zone to really help you test your skills as a mental performance consultant, as a clinician, um, and and really have to think, right? Like you have to learn something totally different, something totally new, um, and figure out how can I apply mental skills to these athletes? How can I help these athletes, um, you know, you know, if they are down in a game and they really, you know, and they need the skills or the coping strategies to help them push through that. So um, I would say, yes, went in right away, basketball, 100%. Um, and then I started working with baseball players. I started, I worked with a collegiate bowler. I started working with um, soccer teams and um, football. Like I just really started to get outside of my comfort zone. And I will never regret that. Like that right there was 100% what I needed to build upon my competency as a mental performance consultant and as a counselor. Like I needed that experience um, because I was confident with basketball. I knew when people felt down and, you know, in times in the game or when they really needed to have so, use these skills or coping strategies. Um, and then I'm, you know, in bowling, I'm, I'm, you know, talking with this athlete about, okay, what's a pre-game, you know, strategy or pre-bowl strategy that we can have for you. And, I'm learning about the game while I'm learning about the athlete and I'm like, I'm having to do research. Like, what do I need to do to help this athlete become a better um, performer? And so, yeah, that's my, that's definitely a big tidbit is get outside of your comfort zone, work with other teams, other athletes um, from the sport that you previously played or have experience in um, because you'll see how much growth um, within that short time span. Um, it's, it's amazing. What's really cool too, is that I'm sure like once you understand sort of the sports psychology principles, whether it's visualization or breathing techniques, like a lot of that also overlaps with other sports. And so once you understand the basic foundations, mm -hmm. principles, you can start to apply them in different ways. And just like you said, I'm sure it makes you that much more competent because you're not only are you going to able to get a job in one area, but you'll be able to get multiple jobs. So I guess it, it probably, even showcases your your vast array of, of skill sets that yeah. you've worked with different teams worked with different sports and it probably makes you that much more competitive uh, in terms of getting a job or a career 100 percent, yeah yeah mm -hmm. oh man that's so cool um coming to kind of a little bit of a close but i'd, I'd love to know i mean kind of talking about this this area of self-care and uh you know decreasing the stigma around mental health for you what does it look like to take care of your health, whether it's your mental health, your physical health, your spiritual health, uh, how do you take your take care of yourself as a clinician? Uh, yeah, many different ways, many different ways. Um, I would say the the first way for me, just a big stress reliever or just like a self care piece, is just being a father, right? Um, I'm I'm 100 big on just being able to spend time with my family, with my kids. Um, you know, playing after a long, stressful day, like there's just, there's nothing better than that. Right. Um, but outside of that, um, I'm, I'm big into fitness and working out. Um, so, um, and I'm actually training for a marathon right now, my first marathon, I was talked into it. Um, so I got about 50 days of training, um, until I run this marathon, but I'm excited for, it. I was never a big runner. Never. I was always a person who's like, man, I hate running. Like we have to do the mild test preseason for basketball and I would just dread it. Of course, I would get a good time, but it was it was I just didn't like it. 
And now I'm just casually going for, you know, these 13 mile runs, 10 mile runs. And I'm like, okay, like this, this doesn't feel, this doesn't feel bad. I actually enjoy this. It's, it's a big stress relief. So um, doing that. And then the big time reader, um, I love to read um, and actually was strictly like a sports psych type of guy who was just reading on like the brain and athletes. But um, you find a lot of value reading within other disciplines and just hearing about how other people think about the brain and, um, you know, how we as people think um, it, it's huge. And so, um, yeah, re- a, big, a big time reader outside of like just research papers and doing things like that. Um, and so I would just say those are my, my top three things, key things for self-care, um, father first, um, husband first, and then, you know, go into the, the, the exercise. I play basketball still a lot. I'm a big basketball guy, play mini leagues, open runs, do that thing. Um, and then reading is, is become a big passion of mine. Any, uh, any particular books, uh, any favorite, uh, could be sports psychology related, could just be for fun, but any, any books in the, that you would recommend? Um, I would, I would say that I know that people were big on this one and I kind of had pushed to a side because I feel like it was a fad at the time. Um, but Atomic Habits, I, I feel like it's a oh, great book. Uh, you know, I don't book. know how many people, I, I think I could read that at the beginning of every year um, just yeah. to reset myself and get myself in the right place. Yeah. Um, because I always go in with these goals and what I want to do. Um, but I feel like that that kind of keeps me um, on the straight and narrow. Um, and so if anybody hasn't read that book, 100% give that one a try. Um, and if you need a book list, I'd be more than willing to give you my book list. I don't have it on me right now, but I can send no you all worries. the books that I just... I've read so far this year and um, they're great. They've been great. Like there's not one that I have been like, Oh, that book was okay. Uh, So yeah, I I can definitely do that. If anybody wants me to uh, send you that book list, I'm willing to do that. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Davis, for this interview. I definitely want to make sure that we leave down some links that people can check out. You have an Instagram page. That's really cool. You talk about sports psychology there. uh, So people can probably reach out to you there. Is there any other, any other links um or i guess areas that people can reach out to you um i also have a twitter we'll, we'll provide a twitter in there okay um sure. as well where i talk about some sports like stuff that one i is not sometimes sports like uh um really just 100 percent all my thoughts sometimes <laughs> especially since the nba playoffs are going on right now yeah uh, i'm talking about that um but also i will um be dropping my own like i said i'm working on my practice right now so if you follow me if you do end up following me on instagram you'll see um, my practice and being able to follow that um and yeah man if you have any questions um please reach out i know phil and i connected via instagram and he reached out to me um which i'm very grateful for because i'm very appreciative to him to have me share this space today but um, yeah, don't be, like I said, don't be afraid to reach out. Um, that it goes, it, it goes a long ways. Um, like I said, everything eventually comes back full circle and you'll probably meet that person or be able to connect with that person at a job or be a reference or something like that. So, um, yeah, I'm always, I'm always willing to answer questions and, and help somebody else who's interested in this field. This is awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Davis. It was great talking with you and Thank definitely you. hope to have you back uh, in the future. Thank you. Yes, sir. Let's, let's do it.